You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die You're stupid too as I Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast The podcast where we analyze the movie Better Off Dead One waste of a perfectly good minute at a time I'm Curtis Blaze from thezacknews.com And I'm Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. Today we are breaking down Minute 34, which starts with Charles discovering Lane preparing to jump off a bridge and commit suicide, and ends with Lane trying to talk himself into skiing the K-12. Tell us all about this minute, Curtis. Well, I mean, if you're going to order it like that all sexy, then I will. (laughs) In the previous minute, Lane found himself at a low point in his life after having just been beat up by the basketball team for accidentally pulling the dress off of Chris are we calling him Crimmins? We seem to be. Crimmins? Crummins? Crummins. I'm gonna, you know what? Let's just, from now on, let's just declare from minute 34 on, no matter what, because they say it in the movie that way, she is Chris Crimmins. Crimmins. And by the way, this is the last discussion we ever need to have about it because we never see her again. Ah, that, that's true. So he pulled the dress off of Chris Crimmins and gets beat up in the school cafeteria, and then... He discovers that Beth is now seeing his geometry teacher, Mr. Kerber. As minute 34 opens, we see Lane preparing to throw himself off of a bridge. Charles, riding a bicycle, rolls up on Lane in this condition and talks him into following through on his plan to ski the K-12. At 33 minutes and 28 seconds, Charles rides away, slapping Lane on the back, causing Lane to lose his balance and fall off of the bridge into a garbage truck. At 33 minutes and 36 seconds, two gentlemen trimming limbs in a cherry picker notice Lane in the back of the garbage truck and note what a shame it is when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. As the minute ends, we cut to Lane and Charles on top of the mountain. Lane attempts to talk himself into skiing the K-12. What is that station wagon doing on the bridge? Hmm, good question. Is someone else on the bridge with him? No, he's clearly alone except for Charles rolling up on him. There are other cars going by, but that car is parked on the bridge. Which is weird, because parking on bridges is illegal. True. So he's parked on the bridge, already attracting the attention of the cops. There's already someone else on the (gasps) bridge. Jason, someone already committed suicide just before him. And and highway control hasn't hasn't gotten the car off of the bridge yet. Hasn't been discovered. Hmm. That's the only possible explanation. And by the look of the station wagon, it was one of the Bradys. My guess is Greg. Yeah, because Greg Greg did have that weed problem, you know. (laughs) I don't know if weed makes you suicidal. (laughs) What other explanation is there for another car being parked on the bridge, yet no one being around? This is the suicide bridge in Greendale. You go to this bridge, you park your car, you jump. Yeah, it's like their version of the Brooklyn Bridge or the Golden Gate. It's the hip happening spot to kill yourself. Oh, now, I'm just going to distance myself from that statement. We are not making light of mental illness or suicidal thoughts. Oh, wait, it's better off dead. <laughs> Lane, what are you doing? Nothing. Aw, oh, buck up, little camper. So, this character, this is Akak. This is the same kind of dialogue that Curtis Armstrong had in One Crazy Summer. Yeah, um, very supportive guy. Um, uh, Aki's a lot more clean, clean cut, and not a stoner though. He's he's the more wholesome version. 
He's like the Mr. Rogers version. Two, there was a scene in One Crazy Summer where he rescues a doll from a beach. Yeah. And is crying because that was probably some little kid's doll. Yeah. The beach where they explode ordnance, naval ordnance. Yeah. Yeah, he's collecting shells. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right. You know, that scene, that scene never made sense to me when I was a kid because I'm like, oh, what the hell is the army doing on Nantucket? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, once I got in the Navy, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's where we have uh, artillery practices. We go shoot, at, go shoot at sheep on islands. But now we're back to that again, and I'm thinking, a beach on Nantucket? <laughs> For all I know, there really is a naval artillery range there. But that's not the point. Akak, is his real name Aki? Akak is the full name. Akak is his full, that's his proper name. That's his, pro, that's his Christian name. Okay. Aki is the uh, affectionate diminutive. Same character. It, uh, uh, Charles DeMar is, is Akak in this scene. Yeah. It, it's, this, it's this actor's style. Yeah, it is his most Aki moment. Well, let's revisit this a little bit. Have you read anything anywhere that suggests that the two movies are connected in anything other than spirit? Not really. I don't think anybody's um, written about that that I know of. So, am I crazy? Am I the only person that thinks of those two movies as part of a series? No. You know, they definitely are companions. Companions. Compared to series. What's, what does that mean when you say companions? When you say companions... What does that mean? That um, same spirit, similar characters, not necessarily continuity. Is this like the Mad Max thing where Savage Steve just keeps remaking the same movie, trying to get it right each time? <laughs> Getting closer and closer to his, to his vision each time? Never thought of it that way. Are you aware that that happens in Mad Max? Am I just crazy? <laughs> Am I the only one that sees that in Mad Max? No, I can't be. Yeah. But, well... I think I'm actually going to hit the Mad Max minute up, people up and see what they think about this theory. I can't be alone. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so what I'm talking about is the thing where, I mean, I guess it's obvious the way I said it. Is he just remaking the same movie over and over again, trying to get it perfect? Hmm. Like we start with Better Off Dead, didn't quite hit, does the same sort of thing, but gets a little bit funnier, a little bit more animation, One Crazy Summer. Then uh, How I Got Into College... Uh, got a little, maybe a little more critical, um, uh, better reception. Let's pretend it's been 20 years since I've seen that movie. <laughs> Did that have any animation in it? No. Okay, so that was more of a straightforward... The only, okay, the only thing I really remember about how I got into college is there was a very good-looking girl who became obsessed with showing the college admission interviewer dean of admissions yeah. i guess it would be yeah her breasts yeah and a hilarious scene where she shows them but then she gets them covered up in time for him to not see them ensues <laughs> but she thinks he did that's all i remember about that movie that is literally it bump the microphone <laughs> well i, I don't know my microphone bumps or, or your sniffs i don't know <laughs> which one i spend more time editing <laughs> yeah. but you leave in all the yes Yes, and you leave in all the giggling. Of course, that, that wouldn't leave me much if you took those out. <laughs> I still say people should do a shot every time I say yes. <laughs> Are you a yes man? I haven't noticed. <laughs> I feel like I'm just a traffic cop sometimes. Like, 
And now I want this lane to go. <laughs> now we'll commence the discussion about Lane's clothing. Now is the time on sprockets when we dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um how I get into college, I, I actually mostly remember uh Curtis Armstrong as the evangelist. Hold on. Curtis Armstrong is in how I got into college. Yeah. Man, I'm just not remembering that. Yeah. He plays the evangelical college recruiter. Oh. Only one scene, but it it uh, connects the through line through all three movies. Is he anything like Charles or, or Akak? Well, he's enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> what I hear you saying is no. No. Okay, okay. Well, moving on. Uh, Charles rides away and smacks him on the back. That is, we're at the point in the movie where Charles asks Lane if he's okay and reconvinces him to to try the K-12 and Lane seems convinced. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll try the K-12 rather than committing suicide. And then he smacks him on the back and Lane flies off into the garbage truck. Yeah. I say fly. We'll talk about that in a minute. Plummets? S- slowly and gently lowered? <laughs> <laughs> Was that hit hard enough to knock him off? Well, he seems very precariously perched. It is a small ledge. Yeah. And the actor does seem to literally be on it. I don't think it's a special effect or a green screen. 1985. Green screen? I think it was still blue screen back then. Blue screen with, like, the very visible matte lines. And you had to, yeah. So it wouldn't be that. So did you did you notice the cable? Yeah. Okay. All I got to say is thank God they didn't do, like, a speeding up the film <laughs> to try to make it look like he was falling at normal speed yeah. trick. Yeah. But if you if you pause the movie at precisely 34 seconds and I mean 34 minutes and 30 seconds, you can see the cable. Oh yeah. Even on my even my, on my potato quality minute copy. Yeah, it's plain as day. Never caught it on any other viewing before today. Right. Before watching it in preparation for today's show. Am I just stupid and gullible, or is it a really well-done effect? I think it's, well, it's fast enough that, you know, the, your eye just doesn't register it. But it, it's funny, you know, when you, when you slow-mo it, it, it's such a gentle fall. You know, it's so perfectly timed, and it's just like, it's cushy. Cushy is the word for that fall. Well, there's a nice trick, there's a nice cinematic trick going on here, too. When they show the truck going underneath, they show it at speed. And then when they show him falling, even though he's not falling at a falling speed, even though he's not at terminal velocity, 9.8 meters per second square or whatever it is, even though he's not, they've slowed the truck down so that his falling relative to the movement of the truck looks accurate. Yeah. And it fools your eye into thinking that he really is just falling into a moving truck at normal speed, which is pretty clever. You know, for a stupid teen comedy, this guy is savage. I, I all I'm saying is I'm knowing nothing about test knowing nothing about filmmaking myself knowing nothing about filmmaking myself I'm just impressed by the attention to detail that I see while watching this movie I wonder if that would happen if we watched every movie that way hmm could be uh, of course we could also you know suddenly just dis- um, discover sloppiness that we didn't see before well, I can tell you that definitely exists in Star Wars. 
I've literally watched the entire Holy Trilogy frame by frame. Actually, also the prequels. <laughs> it oh, pa- man. It, it pains me to say. Yeah. It took months. But I watched the Holy Trilogy frame by frame, and I was just like, ah, I'm going to do it. And to be fair, I was more in denial about the prequels back in the early 2000s. And also had less of a life and more time to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's the bit where the trooper hits his head on the overhang. I know that. Oh, let's let's just not even get into it. <laughs> oh, so we're not going to talk about the guy running with the ice cream maker either? <laughs> ice cream man. <laughs> I can't remember if it's a parody or if it's real, but I think he has his own action figure. Action figure. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, fan-made action figure. <laughs> Love those movies. Hey, it turns out, I don't know if you've heard about this, there's, the, there's this obscure little set of films called Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know if you do, but I love them. Mm. Does it have anything to do with Hardware Wars? <laughs> it's a parody. Ah, I see. <laughs> the Wave Salute. Speaking of Star Wars, there's a scene where Han... No, no, where Lando... And Han give each other the wave salute right before taking off to respectively storm the bunker slash attack the Death Star from space. The wave salute that they do in the hangar. Yes. Lane gives the same wave to the uh, to the lineman as the as he lands in the garbage truck and it drives away. Yeah, that what's up kind of wave. He's just so I've just fallen into a garbage truck. <laughs> And there's nothing I can do. You know, the problem with this is Lane is full of garbage. <laughs> full of garbage. Like he's been swimming in it. Yeah. Doing the backstroke. I would think if you fall into the garbage truck, you're minimizing the amount of garbage you're having contact with. <laughs> but he seems to have just like swooped his arms out and given himself a garbage bath. <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> in, in the money? Yes. Okay. Well, elephant in the room. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. <laughs> the Probably the second most quoted line in the movie. What are these guys doing? They seem to be uh, trimming limbs. You notice the clothes they're wearing? Uh, flannel. Okay, check this out. We have finely tailored jeans showing off one gentleman's sculpted ass <laughs> with pink... Flannel? Looks kind of orange to me. Orangish flannel. And then another guy in a dress shirt. And uh, so what we have <laughs> the jokes within jokes within jokes. We have a guy trimming the tree. And then we have a guy supervising the guy trimming the tree. Because what's that second guy doing? <laughs> the one in the dress shirt. Yeah. How often do you see two people up in a cherry picker trimming? I just want to make a note. In fact, I'm going to capture the screen right now of what they're wearing, because this is going to come up in later minutes. Like all of his other background characters, we're going to see these guys again later. So at this point in the minute, we cut to the top of Mount Brody. Okay, I'm always always confusing this. (laughs) Is it Mount Brody in the movie, or is it Mount Brody in real life? I believe it's both. Hold on. No. Hold on. I went to the internet, Jason, and I solved the riddle. Mount Brody is the made-up name of the mountain in the movie. The actual filming location was a canyon 
Little Cottonwood Canyon near the town of Alta in the Wasatch Mountains. That's where they filmed the, the scenes. Ah. Okay, so then I have a so I have a question here. Every time they show an establishing shot, they show this god-awful peak of a mountain that clearly no one can ski off of. I mean, every time they show it, there's no there's no context. You can't see the sign at the top of it. it there's nobody looks- standing there. It's just like they pointed their camera at the most desolate looking peak they could find yeah. with snow blowing off of it. Yeah, it's it's just foreboding. Like it's not foreboding, forbidding. Like it's the top of that mountain for something. <laughs> in fellowship of the ring. Yeah. Where Gandalf and the Balrog have their final battle. I guess that was in the two towers. <laughs> <laughs> they fight all the way to the top of the mountain. And there, Gandalf dies after defeating the Balrog. Spoiler. Do we do spoilers for movies that are almost 20 years old? Is that a thing? Well, it's still a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but... I guess it is. I I guess you're right about that. But if you hadn't seen it, would you be listening to this? (laughs) Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that the odds are you're not listening to this. (laughs) No qualifier needed. The peak of Mount Brody, of the fictional Mount Brody, is just the most desolate, god-awful piece of mountain that I've seen in a movie. There's nothing, there's nothing nice-looking about it or defining it. Obviously, it's supposed to, to be a villainous mountain peak. After all, literally nobody has survived skiing down it except for... Stalin. You're getting pretty good at the coming in with the names. <laughs> but never in context. Every single time we see it, it's just this horrible mountain range. And then we cut to the piece of snow with the people standing on it with the K-12 danger sign. Which does seem to be at the top of the world. Top of the world, Ma. I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've addressed this before, but how do people get up there? Uh, I would say the uh, chairlift. The chairlift that we see in other scenes. Yeah. Right? I know we have to have had this conversation before. If... Everybody who tries to ski this slope dies. One, why is there a ski lift going up to it? Two, why is there even a sign designated as a ski slope? Think about in real life if we went down to Boone, Iowa, and everyone who attempted to ski down one of the sides of that hill died. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be warning signs everywhere. There'd be... There wouldn't even be warning signs. There would be no signs because no one would ski it. Yeah, everybody would know just... Don't. Yet here we have the K-12. And someone who's good enough to be on the ski team, Lane, not able to ski it. And then that, that, that brings up another question that I have. I guess we haven't established how people get up there, but let's just say they do. And they must because, good Lord, there are a million and one footprints all over the top of this thing. It does look well-traveled. You know what I think? I think the only people standing on that are just people that were filming this movie. They're crew prints. Okay, that's what it is. I'm overthinking of it. I get all caught up in the attention to detail thing with uh, Savage Steve Holland, and then and then I see a scene like this, and I'm just like, ah, oh, that doesn't fit. That's no good. If it is exactly as depicted in the movie, you know what this means, don't you? There are a pile. I mean, just a stinking, rotten pile of bodies at the bottom of this thing. Probably... Maybe not a pile of bodies, maybe a, a stack of human snowballs. Frozen. Frozen human snowballs. 
as they roll down the mountain and turn into the cartoon snowball <laughs> and die. Oh, can we go back for a second? Do you mind? Sure. Do you remember when Charles pushes Lane off of the bridge? Yes. Half of a second after Charles smacks him on the back, Lane begins to go, ah, 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 right? <laughs> yes. And then, and then there's the gently lowered into the barely moving garbage truck scene mm-hmm. and the scream. Yeah. Okay, so if we're pretending that this is real, how did Charles not hear him screaming? Yeah, he just rolls right on, you know? I wonder if there is a prescription drug that makes your ears kind of cotton up and not be able to hear very well <laughs> that he scored shortly before uh, encountering Lane on the bridge. I think I've seen that side effect on a, on a, <laughs> on a warning label before. Like a Claritin or something. Ear, ears may cotton up. Well, okay, <laughs> I'm saying cotton up, but you know the effect I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Occlude. Like a, is that what it's called, occlude? Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> Claritin? Does it have that side effect? Actually, it's supposed to be the opposite. Oh, <laughs> Claritin clears that up. Yeah. Well, in the canon of the movie, he tries all kinds of different drugs. Yes. All the time. Do you think he's really a stoner? Hmm. Y- you wouldn't think from the stuff that he's trying that he could get any kind of buzz going. Yeah, let's talk about this next minute. There's a scene coming up. So, Jason, that's everything. That's all the notes I've got for this minute. What about you? I'm drying up. Favorite part of the minute? I think the little wave. Yeah, the wave. That's a cool little touch. Yeah. I agree. How can listeners contact us if they want? Well, they could leave us a voicemail or text us at 712-830-7373. And what should they do when they call that number? Leave us their riveting stories of how much they love Better Off Dead. That would be great. You know what I'd like them to do? Can you guess? Uh, Would it have something to do with iTunes? Yes. Yes, it does have to do with iTunes. You guys. This show is evergreen. It's going to be on the internet forever, or at least another year or so. <laughs> we want people, new people are finding it all the time. Every week we look at our numbers and, and the listenership is going up and up. Help them, help us, help them find our show. Go to iTunes right now if you're listening to this. Leave a five star review and leave a comment about what you think. Even if you think we suck, say we suck, but leave a five star review. <laughs> Give us an ironic five-star review so that people can find us. <laughs> hey, and uh, God, if you like this show, join us tomorrow. We're going to do uh, Minute 35. Until then, he's Jason. And he's Curtis. Good night. <laughs>